0: Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. I want to invite you to take your Bible or your Bible app and open with me to the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. While you're turning, let me say welcome back, Bible Center family, not only those of you who are joining us in person, but all those of you who are joining us online or on TV uh, thank you so much for being with us. I'm Pastor Matt. If we haven't yet had the opportunity to meet, uh, I look forward to meeting you very, very soon. If you haven't yet downloaded the Bible app or the Bible Center app from the App Store, I encourage you to do that. We have an app filled with sermon notes and uh, uh, five years worth of sermons and hundreds of hours worth of core class content. But this morning, you're gonna notice in the app, as you've noticed the last few weeks, some of you've been commenting uh, that we've added a lot of notes. And the reason I'm trying to do that is because I wanna equip you. Uh, We believe that churches that equip their congregations are churches that are gonna truly fulfill God's mission. And so I wanna equip you. Almost everything I say, it's not quite a manuscript, uh, but almost everything I say is now in the sermon notes on the online bulletin. You can get that on the app or on the website. Today I wanna begin with the true story of 700 miners, excuse me, 33 miners trapped beneath 700 meters of dirt. 33 miners trapped beneath 700 meters of rock and dirt. 700 meters is about seven football fields beneath the earth. For there's thir- these 33 Chilean miners, on August the 5th, 5th, 2010, it began as a normal day at work. But all of a sudden, just before lunch, an explosion rocked the mine. When the dust cleared, 770,000 tons of dirt and rock blocked the mine's entrance. That's two times the weight of the Empire State Building. Now, these 33 miners did have some food, they had enough rations for 10 days for two men. Not 33 men, two men. Outside the mine, families waited breathlessly, many in tent camps on the surface, for any word that they might have survived. All over the world, many of us, many of us remember those days. We were glued to the news to see if these 33 miners would survive. The most inspiring aspect of the miners' behavior was their immediate decision to huddle together in solidarity. They joined together in a cave that they eventually called the refuge. On the first day of their entombment, the supervisor, I love this part, the supervisor took off his supervisor's hat, and he said, men from here on out, we're all equals. There are no supervisors, there are no employees, we're all in this together. The men organized themselves into work shifts, participated in daily prayer sessions, and they rationed their emergency food supply into one meal a day. Here was their meal, two cookies and a spoonful of tuna fish. They drank water that they drained from their equipment. At first, their goal was to dig their way out, but it didn't take them long to realize that they weren't gonna be able to dig their way out. Their goal was to help one another just survive another day in hopes that maybe someone might find them and that they might survive. For 17 days, no one on the surface knew if they were still alive. But finally, after 17 days, a drill bit broke through to the refuge. They tied a note to the end of the drilling equipment, and when it was pulled back up, the note simply read this. We are well in the refuge, signed the 33. Words can't describe the feeling of the people on the surface, friends and families, that their loved ones were alive. There was hope, but they were far from safe. As crews worked to widen the hole that went seven football fields into the earth, they would intermittently use the hole to lower food, oxygen, medical supplies to the men, and experts from all over the world joined in the effort to try to save the 33. I read this week that even a NASA expert came to advise the men to send down messages on how to survive in those conditions, as some of that was similar to the conditions in space. Well, the rescuers designed a capsule only 21 inches in diameter to winch the men up one at a time. The capsule had a retractable wheels uh, to allow for a smoother ride to the surface. It had oxygen, it had a lighting supply, it had a video voice communications, it had reinforced roof and reinforced walls to protect against further collapse. It even had an escape hatch that if by chance on the way up the 700 meters it got stuck, a person could pull a lever and lower himself back down into the refuge if they got stuck. Well, after more than two months, on the 69th day, October 13th, 2010, there was a reason to celebrate. All 33 of the miners made it back to the surface alive, and they commonly called it their resurrection. Their resurrection. Now, if you were to ask the miners and a number of the interviews that have taken place that I had forgotten about and went back and read some of this week, over and over again, they give all the glory to the rescuers. Now, certainly they had nice things to say about one another and their camaraderie, but they realized they were hopeless. They were stuck. They would tell you that not anything shy of 100% of the credit goes to the rescuers, not 95%, not 50%, all the credit. But we ask ourselves the question, did the miners have a responsibility in their rescue? Did the miners have a responsibility in their rescue? If 100% of the credit went to the rescuers, did they still have responsibility? And I would contend that they did. They had the responsibility at some point in time to turn their back on the cave, to step into the capsule, and to trust someone else to pull them up. That's what we're talking about today, but not in reference to mining, but in reference to your salvation. What we're talking about today is, yes, all the glory of your salvation and all the glory of your transformation goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. But what responsibility do we have in our salvation and our subsequent transformation? What must we do daily to continue to be transformed by Jesus Christ? Now, maybe you're wondering today, you say, Matt, this sounds a little deep. Uh, Sounds a little deep for a church service sermon. Well, I'm hoping to make it as simple as I can, but I believe it's part of our maturity to know our responsibility as Christians. I want you to have a good day on that great day. But more than that, as we approach 2021, all of us have this vision of what we want to be, the person that we want to become, the changes that we want to make, I have them, you have them. And I believe today's message is the key to unlocking those changes. There's also a lot of confusion in our area about this matter of personal responsibility. And so my prayer is that in the next few minutes, this message will clear it up. Here's today's title. What's our responsibility in salvation and transformation? Our responsibility is what we're gonna look at today. Here's the big idea if you're taking notes. Here's the one thing that I want us to remember walking away from today's message. It's simply this. We're transformed by turning and trusting Jesus in the same way we're saved by turning and trusting Jesus. Our responsibility and our salvation is identical to our responsibility in our transformation. Let's dive into Mark 1 and see what the Bible has to say about this. Mark chapter 1. In verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Now, how did Mark summarize Jesus's ministry? If you look in Mark chapter 1, he says that Jesus was all about proclaiming the good news of God. The word good news could also be translated gospel. It's the same here in verse 15. Jesus said, repent and believe the good news. So the gospel was at the heart of Jesus' message. You say, what is the gospel? We like to summarize the gospel here at Bible Center this way. It's 10 words. God creates, sin breaks, Jesus saves, Jesus transforms, and God restores. Now, there's a lot in that, but in those 10 words, you'll see that on our website. You'll see that on our app. You can pick up gospel tracks out in the lobby with those 10 words. But when we talk about Jesus saves, more specifically, we say the gospel is the good news that the living God who demands salvation perfection from all humankind, sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to live a sinless life, to suffer and die on the cross as the substitute for our sins, absorbing the judgment we rightfully deserve, to rise again, to ascend back into heaven, and to give forgiveness, righteousness, his spirit, and eternal life. That is the gospel in more detail. So I would encourage you, if you're watching this online, if you're listening to this message, if you're watching this on TV, I wanna challenge you to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Believe the good news. Turn from self-dependence and trust Jesus Christ. There's no better way to launch into 2021 than giving your heart to Jesus. But today's message is primarily to believers. It's primarily for those of us who've put our faith in Christ, and what we're going to look at is that God not only calls us to believe and trust the gospel at initial salvation, but we have an equal responsibility in our transformation. There's different words used for transformation over the years, words like Christian growth, sanctification, experiential theology, practical divinity, Christian ethics, piety, and discipleship. Essentially, it's just how we follow Jesus. So how do we follow Jesus in our transformation years after we've put our faith in Christ? Again, the big idea is this. We're transformed by turning and trusting Jesus in the same way we're saved by turning and trusting Jesus. So what was our responsibility in our salvation? We'll look at that briefly and then we'll think, well, our minds will be open to understanding our responsibility and our transformation. Number one, we turned from our sin and self-dependence. What was our responsibility in salvation? We turned from our sin and self-dependence. Another name for turning is repentance, which is the word Jesus used in Mark chapter one. Remember, Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. What is repentance? Well, repentance is a change of heart and a change of mind that results in a change of will. Repentance is a change of heart and a change of mind that results in a change of will. No one has ever genuinely come to Jesus who was not willing to turn from his or her sin and turn from his or her self-dependence. Repentance does not mean this. It does not mean that we clean up our lives and then we come to Jesus, not at all. We can never clean up our lives enough to earn the favor of God. We've already broken too many of God's laws. We've already brought too much shame on ourselves. There's no way we can ever do enough. But when we come to Jesus, sin and all, we ask him to change our hearts and change our minds, which will eventually change our actions. Now, if this sounds confusing, you say, well, I thought you just had to believe. What is this about repent? Well, we'll hopefully clear it up in a minute. Look at how many times Jesus used the word repent. We'll just look at a few of them. Mark, Matthew chapter one in verse, chapter three, verse one. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew 9, 12 and 13. Jesus said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Mark 6, 12. The twelve disciples went out and preached that people should repent. Luke 24, the words of Jesus. Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Acts 14, 15. The apostle said this, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn, there's our word, repent from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. The apostle Paul said in Acts 20, 21, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn, there's the word again, sometimes translated repent, to God in repentance and have faith in Our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, and 10. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescued us from the coming wrath. I love this quote by John Murray. It's in this week's book recommendation. John Murray said this, it's impossible to distangle faith and repentance. Saving faith is permeated with repentance and repentance is permeated with faith. Now, again, that's a lot for our minds to comprehend. There's more in your notes about how even repentance itself is a gift, how even the gift of repentance is, comes from God. It doesn't come from our self-effort. You can look up all those verses on your own. But what was our responsibility in salvation? Well, we turned from sin and self-dependence. You say, well, how does that fit with belief? Well, let's look at that now. How does that fit with belief, right? Most of us didn't tell our children when our children are asking, how do I go to heaven? How, do I, how am I saved? How do I become a Jesus follower? We typically don't use the word repent. We typically use the word belief. So let's look at that. Number two, what was our responsibility? We trusted Jesus for salvation. When you became a Christian, you trusted Jesus for salvation. Back in Mark 1.15, we remember the words of Jesus when he said, repent and believe the good news. The idea of believe is related to dependence. It's related to trust. It's related to faith. So at salvation, we stopped trusting in ourselves and we started trusting in salvation. Trusting in Jesus Christ alone. Now I have these two boxes up here. We had to place them here uh, for my safety. I guess they didn't want them on the front of the stage. And so I don't know why they're they're worried about that, but um, I'm gonna illustrate for you repentance and faith using two boxes that I borrowed from my gym. I called my gym this week and asked them if I could borrow the boxes and they'd forgotten my number and forgotten my name because it's been like over a year since I've been there. But I assured them, I even renewed my contract with them. I'm going back. And so they were so good to let me borrow the boxes. I'm thankful for the folks over at Never Give Up Gym. All right, so here is, let's say, the way I'm born, my natural state. I'm relying on myself, I'm relying on my sin. When we repent, which was our first point of today's message, when we repent, what we're doing is we are turning from our sin and self-dependence, and we are turning to Jesus Christ, so this box represents Jesus. I just illustrated for you repentance, turning from my sin and my self-dependence, turning to Jesus, that's repentance. Now let me illustrate trusting or faith. When I put my faith in Jesus, I say, I'm no longer gonna put my faith in myself, my good works, my baptism, my church membership, my being kind to my neighbor, but instead, I'm gonna believe that Jesus died on the cross for me, Jesus rose again for me, and I'm gonna trust in Jesus alone for salvation. Now, did you notice that both of those steps are identical? Did you notice how both of those looked at almost exactly the same? The reason that they were exactly the same is because repentance and faith are not two separate entities, but they are two perspectives of the same action. Repentance and faith are just two angles, two looks at the same act of faith the moment we put our faith in Christ. They're not two steps of salvation as much as they're two angles of responsibility. So like repentance, faith is also a gift. We can believe because God gives us the gift of faith, all that's in your notes. But belief is just the other side of the coin from repentance. Over 200 times in the New Testament, God calls us to put our faith in Christ. Look with me at John 1.12. It says, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So in this insta- that instance, there was just the word belief without the word repentance. They're used interchangeably in the Bible. Sometimes he says repent, sometimes he says believe, sometimes he says both. That's not a contradiction. It's because they're two sides of the same coin. John three thirty six whoever believes in the Son has eternal life but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. John 5, 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. John 6, 28 and 29. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works of God that God requires? If somebody asks you, Do you believe that you're saved through good works? Usually what they mean is, are you saved by going to church? Are you saved by doing good things? This is a good verse to use. You can say, well, yes and no. I'm not saved by my good works, but I'm saved by Jesus' good works. That's one answer. Another answer is you can say, well, there is one work, if you want to call it that. Jesus said, the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. John 6, 47, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. John eleven twenty five 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then there's Acts 16, 30 and 31. Then he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul in the jail replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. Now, I don't wanna go any farther in this message without addressing the obvious. Uh, There are some of you, who are listening, who are watching, and you can remember the exact date and time that you put your faith in Jesus. You have it written in your Bible, you remember it like it was yesterday, and you know that was the moment you passed from death into life. That is a wonderful thing. That is a beautiful thing, and I'm so happy that you have that. But there are many of you, many of us perhaps, that don't know the exact date and time or hour that we put our faith in Jesus, right? So let me give you my testimony. So as a child, I believe I put my faith in Christ at age four, I understood the gospel as much as a four year old could understand the gospel. I turned and trusted Jesus the best that I could. And I remember praying with my mom in our living room that I could turn and trust Jesus. So that was a, that's a good memory. And so I have that date in my Bible. But then when I turned 10, you know, you begin to think abstract thoughts. And I went off to Alpine Camp down here in Beckley. And I remember the the minister was speaking on the, the need for total faith and turning to Jesus. And I began to wonder, you know, am I really a Christian? Did I really put my faith in Christ? And so just in case I remember praying again, some of you know what I'm talking about. Lord, if I'm not a Christian, save me. And then something similar happened when I was 16 and then again when I was 20 and then again when I was 25. And it wasn't until I got into my 20s, upper 20s that I began to understand this truth that I'm not saved because I said the right words. I'm not saved because I prayed the right prayer. I'm saved because in this moment, my faith and trust are in Jesus Christ. And so if you don't know the date or the time or the exact place, my question for you is this. Are you trusting Jesus Christ and Jesus alone for your salvation right now? Are you, have you turned to Christ for your salvation right now? That's the question of 1 John. We're gonna go through 1 John as a church after Easter because it's a book all about assurance. How do you, can you have assurance of your salvation? And in John five thirteen, Jesus said, these things are written that you may know you have eternal life, why? Because you've believed in me, the only true God and Jesus Christ who was sent. So is your faith in Christ, have you turned to Christ? That was our responsibility in salvation. But what about our responsibility in transformation? I said a little bit ago that they're identical. So let's look at that, our responsibility for daily change. It's a gift from God, only God changes the heart. But what do we have to do? Well, number one, we continually turn from our sin and self-dependence. We continually turn from our sin and self-dependence. Repentance isn't something only that unsaved people do, but repentance is something that Christians do daily. If you remember the story of Martin Luther taking the 95 theses and pinning them on the door of Wittenberg, uh, the first of the 95 theses in summary is this, is that Christians should repent daily. It's what John was saying in 1 John 1 about if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, even as Christians. But if we daily confess our sin, he is faithful and just. This proves that he's faithfully and justly forgiven our sin and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Matthew 3.8 says this, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. This is a great verse for those of us who are believers. Let's go back to that, Matthew 3.8. This is a great verse for us when we think about producing fruit in keeping with repentance, what we're saying is live out your identity. Live out the identity you already have. John, John the Baptist was saying, if you have truly turned to Jesus, live like it. It would be equivalent to Sarah and I telling our daughters, hey, or telling our daughters or our son, hey, your last name is friend, act like it, right? Your last name is friend, act like it live out your identity. And so this is what he's writing to us. Hey, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Let's look at Ephesians 4:22. He says put off, writing to Christians, concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. That's repentance. Every day we have to say no to the desires of our flesh and make sure that we're saying no to the temptations that would drag us down. And instead he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We're gonna look at this verse in greater detail in two weeks. This is an act of God. But he says in verse 24, put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We see it in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I'll ask you today what temptation has been dragging you down lately? What temptation, what sin has been dragging you down lately? Maybe it's greed, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's gossip and slander. Maybe it's flirting with that other man or woman around the office. Maybe it's selfishness in your marriage. Maybe it's envy driven by social media. Whatever it is, we have a responsibility as Christians. And that responsibility is to continually, continually, daily turn from our sin and self-dependence. Just like before we were saved, we continually repent, turning to Jesus. But secondly and lastly, we also continually trust Jesus for transformation. We continually turn, but then we continually trust. The faith by which we are saved is the same faith by which we are transformed. Romans 1.17, this is is the verse that just got Martin Luther 500 years ago. It's not just that we are saved, initially born again through faith, but he says the righteous will live by faith. We continually put our faith in Jesus for our transformation, just like we did for our salvation. We see in Galatians 2.20, he says, "'I have been crucified with Christ. "'Nevertheless, I live, but Christ lives in me.'" The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, loves that, by faith, and gave himself for me. Galatians 3.23, Paul writes to the church at Galatia who is trying to make themselves righteous through their good works. And Paul asks this question, he says, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? This is a Pauline way of saying, you were saved by faith? Do you think you're going to change and be transformed by something other than faith? He asks the same question in Colossians 2.6. He says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. How did you receive Jesus Christ as Lord? By faith. So how do you live? You live by faith. Back to our boxes. So with, we, I've put our faith in Jesus We've trusted Jesus for salvation. Man, now, thankfully, all temptation is gone, right? Wrong. We wake up the next morning and we still have the same old flesh, the same old desires, the same old attitude. And so every single day, it's not that every day we lose our salvation and have to get our salvation back. That's why this this understanding of faith and repentance is so important that we get this, this doctrine right. Doctrine matters. Doctrine matters for our peace. It matters for our, not just for our eternity, but it matters for life now. And so every single day, God calls us to continually turn from our sin, and to continually trust Jesus for our transformation. It looks like two steps because I'm human, I'm mortal. I turn and I trust. It looks like two steps, but again, it's just two sides of the same coin. How are we transformed every single day? What is God inviting us to do? I wanna encourage you to do this. God is inviting us to turn and trust Jesus. Keep turning, keep trusting Jesus every single day. When you feel powerless over your greed, turn from it and trust Jesus to change you. When you feel powerless over your pornography, turn from it and trust Jesus to change you. When you feel enslaved by your gossip and slandering tongue, turn from it again and trust Jesus to change you. Ask him to change your mouth. When you feel powerless over to the attraction to that other man or that other woman in the office, turn from it and trust Jesus every single day. When you feel that you wanna give in to selfishness in your marriage or selfishness with your children or selfishness with your coworkers, may God help us to turn from it and trust Jesus daily when you feel driven by envy that you're seeing on social media, just stop, turn it off, and turn from it, and ask God to change your heart and give you a new perspective. Imagine how our lives would be different if turning and trusting didn't stop at the moment of our salvation, but if turning and trusting only began at the moment of our salvation. What if we live lives, five, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that are marked by continual turning and continual trusting? Maybe then our lives would be characterized by humility, by a spirit of contrition, by something that the world sees is totally different than what they've heard Christianity is all about. Remember that story of the 33 Chilean miners? I wanna ask you this question, hypothetically, what would have happened had those 33 miners not accepted the means of salvation down in that cave? Let's just say the, the capsule is dropped 700 meters into the heart of the earth, the capsule door is opened, and the first miner, he has a choice. But he decides, no, I'm not gonna turn my back on the mine. I'm gonna keep digging my way out. And he closes the door, never to accept the offer again. We know what would have happened. It wouldn't have been the happy ending that we heard and we saw on the news because he had a responsibility. And even though salvation was completely to the glory of the rescuers, he had to turn from that dark cave and trust in the rescuer above. You know, today you have the opportunity, even as a Christian, over those habits, over those hangups, over those hurts that keep dragging you down. You have the opportunity today. You can just say, no, you know what, I'm good. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm just gonna suffer through until I get there. Or today you can accept God's offer of transformation. We're transformed by turning and trusting Jesus In the same way, we're saved by turning and trusting Jesus. So let's be a church. Let's be a congregation. Let's be a people marked by both. For more information, visit us at BibleCenteredChurch.com or check us out on social media. You can also join us in person for services on Thursday at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m.